Yeah. This is the Halftime Report, powered by Sports Cannabis. I'm your host, D-Ray. I'm here with my man, Ian McCall. Ian, Ian, you uh, you deal with a couple of different things. You're known for the MMA, but you're in the cannabis space, you're in the psychedelic space, you're in the wellness space, the meditation space. If it's a good space to be in, you're in it. With that said, I can never do intros justice, so go ahead, please. Well, number one, I'd like to, say, like to thank uh, King Palm for my sponsorship. <laughs> I was smoking a King Palm on the cover of LA Weekly. The 16 million copies get printed of that. Pretty cool. Um, physical copies. I don't know how many downloads or clicks they get or whatever how that works. Um, but yeah, my name is Ian McCall. I am a I started as a scientific researcher in the field of psychedelics. Post fighting, fighting is over. Um, <clears throat> doesn't serve me. Uh, but I, I'm now in the space of healing. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a consultant, realistically, for, for psychedelic brands. I was, in, I was in cannabis for my whole life. And uh, my dad smuggled cannabis back in the 70s. And not, not to make money, but he, he did it to see the world. Um, so I have a very interesting person who's always been, you know, like my best friend, my dad. And uh, I, I, tr- I saw the boat coming because I missed cannabis with branding and all this sort of stuff. And I had, I was there, but I, I should, I could have done better. And it's just, I, I mean, cannabis is just a nightmare anyway. So I'm happy I'm not in the, in the space anymore, but I saw psychedelics coming and I said, I have to be in front of this business wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm already an advocate for it. I've been taking psychedelics since I was 12. Um, inappropriately, obviously, but I started smoking cannabis when I was eight and neither of those have ever affected me in a negative way. It's, you know, it's the opioids, it's the bad drugs that fuck my life up. Um, and my dad always told me stories about how, how medicinal they were. And when my daughter got sick, I was so crazy. So with my ex-wife and my best friend died in my arms in my old house. Once my ex-wife was gone for a few years and I was on, I was no better. I was on TV fighting, you know, having a world title, but I was on drugs and she was just jailing rehab. I was just crazy girlfriend and falling apart on, on the big stage and uh, ruining my career. Um, but while all that happened, she got sick. We healed her with cannabis. And when I retired, I wanted to kill myself. Uh, almost did a few times. And I knew that obviously I'm not going to do it because my kids, she's like all that I have. But I, I knew I could heal myself with plants or with, you know, this, this spiritual plants. Mushrooms aren't, aren't plants, the fungus. But I will forgive the t-shirt because it's cute. Um, and... I, I used this medicine to help me. Luckily at the time I had friends like Joe Rogan um, and I, I like smart people. So I, I talked to a bunch of scientists and researchers, did my own you know, scientific research mm-hmm. uh, online. There's no school for it. So I ended up becoming friends with like old school researchers, new school researchers, and just speaking about the science. Because I think once they saw me coming on some podcast for it, most people in this place were like, who the fuck is this guy? And they even told me that. Like, like when I, I got down with some of these people, they would be like, I don't trust you. You just don't. I don't. I, they're all like nerdy bookworms, sort of chemists and whatnot. And then I kind of, you know, wowed them with some big words that I remembered uh, from, from texts that I read. And, from, you know, just understanding the research between all of it, how it all worked with the body. And now, you know, when I speak, those people listen. I'm kind of like the Forrest Gump of the industry, I feel like. <laughs> I'll, about to say, I'll, I'll say that's, that's, that's interesting. I'll about to say because you, first of all, the fact that you started so young, you would think that I'm guessing you don't lead with that, but you would think somebody would jump immediately like, all right, I'm going to listen to this fucking guy. If he's done it for this long, he's still 
it's sound of mind and, and soul and spirit, then this guy has to be a good guy to listen to. 100%. And they, they, uh, they, you know, most of these people have been doing it the same like I have, like the researchers that actually make the chemicals and find new chemicals always are like, you know, I've done way more psychedelics than you. And I'm like, mm -mm, I don't think so. <laughs> like, sure. It's always this like, this thing back and forth where I'll go to people's houses and they, you know, for the last five years, like give me research chemicals. Like my, my friend who's a very famous researcher. She's like, come over and let me inject you with a PCP analog. And I'm like, mm, that's yeah. maybe a little too far. How about <laughs> that? Don't turn me into a lab rat. So hold up. We're no, no, gonna, no. This is sports cannabis. We're going to get yeah. into it. I'm not going to lie. Usually we yeah. save, we save the smoke break for halftime, but you're a very special guest. You know what I mean? Got to do it justice. And at the same time, I wanted to talk about the psychedelics at halftime yeah. because I yeah, know yeah. you're passionate about it. So we're going to yeah. hold off on that we'll for stay, a we'll second. We'll stay with Canada. For right now, for right now, for right now. Um, but I, I got to ask you, you said you started smoking at eight. I can finally take these off. You said you started smoking at eight. Yeah. You remember your first time? Like most of us, like I was, shit, I was in my 20s. But like, do you remember that? Like your first time smoking? Oh, yeah. I, I saw, I came home from private school and I, and I grew up, you know, a rich kid down here in Orange County. It's just what this how where we all are. Uh, came up from private school in my little my little outfit, and my brother had already been kicked out of this private school. Was in our little side yard. We I remember where we entered the house was on the side yard, and I see him there smoking, and I was like, "What are you doing?" You know, and you think your older brother's the coolest person you know at this point in life, and he goes, "I'm smoking." I was like, "What?" It's weed. I was like, Hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know what that is. And then I, I said, well, where did you get it? And he goes, oh, I, I stole it from dad. And I was like, wait, <laughs> you're telling me my dad and my, my older brother, the two coolest people in my life, both do this? It's like, sign me the fuck up. So, like and, and since my dad was always in the cannabis since the 70s or since before that, uh, he always had the best herb. Well, I'm talking high grade for today this was back then with like pure genetics it was it was some sort of kush i'm not sure what um i just remember the that's a smell, a smell I, i've known since i was that young you know and uh as we grew up my brother got into into, into weed, weed and by middle school i was picking up you know small bindles from my brother and then bringing them at 12, 12 years old you know we're selling selling so weed and uh it was hilarious, you know. I always got away with it, and that was like, I, I had I had learning disabilities. I didn't do shit in school. All, the only reason I wasn't labeled autistic or put in special classes was because I was good at sports, and my parents had money. I like the honesty. I'm I'm cracking up at the interaction though at your your brother when he was like he was like it's weed. It reminded yeah. me that uh that uh that movie Dewey Cox. He was like, what kind of this shit, Dewey? And he tells him all the good shit that we does. He was like, oh, what about sex? He's like, it makes sex better. It makes everything cooler. He was like, I'm going to lose my creativity. He's like, it makes you more. He was telling him all the shit that was good about it. So like, and telling him to get the fuck out of the room. So the way you said it's weed, that, that was what reminded me of it. But nah, bro, I, thank you for being honest on that. So I got to ask what you, I know for me personally, I was telling somebody, I don't know if it's because my father was smoking when I was conceived or what, but for whatever reason, when I started smoking, shit started clicking. I, I described it to somebody as some of the fog got cleared up in my mind. I was, I was able to, I became a lot more, it was like, it was like my brain was like this fucking file cabinet just full of shit scrambled and we just started to kind of help put shit in order. Um, and like I said, we'll get into it later, but psychedelics did that right after too. Psychedelics 
did the next step of it for yeah. me. But did anything start to click when you started smoking? Yeah, it made me really happy. And it made me just, I have more memories of being high than I do of being sober. And I'm, I'm, I'm 38, I'll be 38 in May. Uh, it's always kept me like here, where usually I'm like, I'm all over the place, all over the place. Um, smoking helps with that a bunch. And it helps with my pain. I mean, now as I get older, or I am older, um, at least physically, the, the miles that I'm going to put in my body. People are like, oh, you're only 38 and you're fit. And I'm like, yeah, I, if I stop moving, I fall apart. I have to work out like once, twice a day, yoga, jujitsu, lifting the weights like a savage because otherwise my body, and I'm always doing corrective exercises. I'm like, you know, but I, my, the miles are gnarly. I mean, I've had seven surgeries on this on bone, my hand and my shoulder and my fraction dislocated here and infections and just like, just, you know, I, I was a prodigy athlete from a young age. And then, um, you know, was always, but I was always high. <laughs> I was, I won a world title being high. I'm like, yeah, this is like, it works for me, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm not. So what was that like? What's the, what's the routine? You're going into the fucking world title. I was like, we just throw that out there, but congrats. I'm Thank like, you. like Nori and shit. Let's give it up for world titles, y'all. But, but, <laughs> but like, what is the routine? If you're, you're about to go into something that has that much weight, that much pressure, what's the routine with, for you? Um, so, and I mean, I, I, that, that was a point in my life where all I did was, was, was train. And sure, a, a large portion of my career in my life, I got away with being physically gifted, like genetically just better than people at, certain, at violence, at being strong, at having the will to hurt people in a cage for blood money. Uh, but also, you know, like that, that sort of thing was 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 just daily regimen as far as as far as training you know sure i should have been training twice a day but at least i was in there once a day you know putting it all on the line like just training in it and, and weed was always just there it was before and after cannabis was there before and after training you know as everyone pulls up in their cars they're ripping a vape pen or they're we're smoking a joint getting out of the car and passing to each other real quick getting in there wrap up and just get in get in the zone everyone's got headphones in and they got music blaring they just you know, I just, you just hear this. I can, yeah. I can re hear the sounds of the feet on the mat, that, okay. that ju jump rope noise, you know, that, that like, it, cause you can hear the feet peel off the mat, you know, each time. Yeah. And, and uh, then you can hear that, you know, so it, it's been a routine that's always been part of it. I fucking love it. All right. So I'm, I'm going to tell you why I do. Number one, you described the shit out of that as far as telling that story. And, and the, I can tell you're really passionate about it because you know, somebody is when they can describe to you, all five senses that are being stimulated as um, you're going through a moment. And the only other person I've heard talk about that, like with sports is Kobe. When he was talking about basketball. He was like, I love the sound of the leather and sweaty hand rubbing across that leather or that first bounce of the ball that echoes throughout the gym. And the way you was describing that was very cinematic for me. It's always been movies and very, very big on the storytelling of it. Describe to me, what happens when you're about to go into the ring? Because if you can describe going into practice that well, I got to imagine that you can describe, unless you black out, unless you black out. No, 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 no. Describe I, wake, I, I, I wake up. I feel, I feel uh, like you're, you're hyper aware at that point, right? Yeah, so 
usually like let's say with the UFC with Burt Watson, Burt, Burt Watson was Burt Watson was the the guy behind the scenes that took care of all of us and was the guy that got you hyped before fight. He's this this super steep like stylish old black dude that just had this talk about him and he he could pep talk you, yeah, baby, yeah, and you'd hear him screaming down. The, and I was always sleeping, right, whatever. Right? Just, I'm gonna get in a fight. I'm gonna relax for a second. I would take a nap and I'd get woken up to him screaming. Yeah, or my coaches, hey, you got to get up. And you just, he, once he would start to come down the hallway, you know, because there was this whole nap time and then hitting pads and relaxing and joking around, sitting back, sitting there for hours. <clears throat> once, once it got ready, once he got you ready, once you heard it, you, you got out of the room, he fucking kicked the door open. And, yeah, baby, you ready? It's your time. Just scream at you. And you're just like, oh, you fuck shit up. And then you're screaming back at him. And then you get out in the hallway and you see the guy in front of you or you're in front of him. And then he gets you all out in the line. You go down there and then all of a sudden you you hear the roar. You hear people get knocked out. Or you hear whatever is going on out in the fight. You're, you're, you know, you're getting ready. You're just like this animal that's in between your coaches and the security guards in front of you. And they're just, just like everyone just kind of like, you know, rubbing your shoulders, talking to you. You got one coach in this year and then he'll stop one coach will be like, all right, you know, telling you stuff. No, baby, hands up, chin down, whatever the game plan is. They two, three, this, 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 and the other thing that everyone's got different techniques. And you just get into this trance, you know, and you just, it's like your body's, whether you, I was always high paced and I was always moving and going back and forth, just kind of sitting there and getting ready screaming and just, you know, I wanted to go in there and kill somebody like, you know, I, that, that was the goal I wanted to do. And, Obviously, I'm not that person anymore, thank God. Um, but at the time, that's what I needed to, to get away with the things that I, I was trying to do on camera. Um, and as the visceral experience comes to a head where you're, you're getting outside the little entrance into the, the, into the thing and you hear your music, you hear them announce you, and all of a sudden it's, let's go. And you walk, start to walk. Yeah. Right when you come out, you've got, you know, Man, Japan, there's like 40,000 people. Having 40,000 people scream at you, just, or, or even 10,000 Irishmen, oh my God, they were the loudest. The, the, the Japanese were, like, were very just calm, but there was 40,000. The Irish, I think there was only eight or 9,000 actually, and they hit they, they hit decibel decibel records for, for noise. It was fucking crazy. Those people are insane. I love hey, it. A bunch of drunk Irishmen at a fight, that shit just sound like, like that's what I want to hear going to war. Like that shit sounds, that that's... That all fits in the same like biking folder. But go ahead. <laughs> and my name is Ian McCall. Exactly. So That's what I'm get, saying. I was like more Gaelic. Yeah. I, I was I was hyping this whole thing up because the guy I fought is my friend. We're you know friends, opponents. Um, he's an Englishman. So I played up the fact that he was English and they fucking I'd, they'd always ask me, Hey, who, who, are you here for Connor? I'm like, Yeah, I'm here for Connor. Like, oh, who are you fighting? And I'm like, uh, I'm fighting an Englishman, I'm like fucking kill him. Oh, and they always have some speech about how much they hate the English. And I was like, this is great. This is so easy. <laughs> so I, I was on their side and it was wild, man. It was, uh, I just revisited some experiences um, during therapy, just right before this. Um, during, uh, she's a transpersonal psychologist and my mental coach. She's like a mental coach for a bunch of executives in Silicon Valley. I'm lucky enough to have her in my life. Uh, and I was just sitting here revisiting these exact situations. Um, but as you as you come out of that tunnel, all of a sudden you see everybody and the lights, and you have this hundred yard path down to the to the cage. 
and everyone's leaning in trying just trying to touch you people just they just want to touch you for this like energy exchange and a lot of times i didn't even want to be, I, did, I didn't even want to be touched because i don't know who you are and what your energy is and i just i'm just ready to you know and plus i don't really want to dump this energy on these people at all but you can see you can see people kind of get like almost high on it because like, whoa like they get to touch this magnetism this ball of like healer energy that's about to go go into battle and do some gnarly stuff things they could never do ever you know not just well trained but physically gifted and on the ufc has these athletes on point now it's really crazy really proud of them uh, and for how they how the way they speak about the athletes now yeah. uh we're, we're still commodities but you know they, they take care of the fighters uh the the cage it's or the, the the arena itself can be hot or it can be cold you know brazil was hot as shit uh ireland was a little cold you know um it's just how it's just sometimes that those places are not, not, on, not on the same temperature um but everything is sharp everything is hard in that where you go out there and you're naked you know, you're just in little shorts and you have people touching you and you know looking at your mouthpiece and your cup and they're poking and prodding at you and everyone's giving you these hugs but they're these like Whoa, kind of hugs. It's not like gentle. It's like fucking ready, you know. And everyone, no one's even really talking at this point. Everyone's just staring at you, just like, God, you know. And then you just go, okay, maybe coach will say one or two things, just repeat something at you. <laughs> and then as your feet, you know, you still have those same exact sort of you're, everything's so heightened. You can hear the feet again. You can feel everything. You everything is, starts to creak. You just get up on the stairs, and you feel like the metal. Part of it, you know, the soft from metal to soft, and then you, know, you kind of everyone has this little stance as they like a wild animal. They go to get into the cage, you know, and just accessing it. Once you're in there, you realize how big it is, you know, and then you just kind of you're in there. You're about you're locked in a cage with someone. It's a it's a crazy experience. And then after that, you have a sweat and the blood and people bleeding in you or on your mouth or whatever, like you know, and you're just it. it so winning is one, or losing is one thing. That's that's PTSD. Like you're getting, you're going in there, and you're giving and receiving PTSD. But there's also something called TITS, trauma-induced trauma syndrome, and you hurting someone actually does a lot of bad stuff to you, like physically with trauma. You know, so you just got to think like you had eight weeks of training camp leading up to this, which is eight weeks of your closest people in your life you see every day training. These are the closest people to you. Uh, you, you, you know. But you have blood, sweat, and tears with these people all week, every you know, for and it's their turn to beat the shit out of you in groups because you're the one getting ready for a fight. You're the champ, and these guys are always trying to get to where you're at. So it's this crazy experience of trauma going into it. And then when you get there, the trauma goes to a head with the actual fight, and uh, so you got to think what what the body's primed to do and go through. Which is really heavy. Yeah. That's a motherfucker, bro. So it's, it's, it's an emotion. It's emotional and emotional experience, and it's uh, you know, I'm just trying to make sure that everyone pays attention to what, what what's going on, just because you know I don't want people to stop fighting ever. Like, I I just want people to understand that I can. Back in the day, when warriors would go to war, they wouldn't be allowed to come back to the tribe before they, until they did um, you know, some work with the shaman, and they 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 had to integrate first because they just wouldn't kill people. We should not be, you know, being left back in society. We should have to have some time to take care of ourselves. That's halftime. Like I said, we're going we're going to pivot back to the psychedelics. I, I have to imagine by the way you're talking, uh, that these have helped you heal. 
in a large yeah. way. So I'm not gonna ask you when you first did psychedelics. What was the first trip like when you realized you were healing? Um, I knew it was happening before I did it. You know, like I, I understood that. But my first real experience, uh, let's say shamanistic experience, where it was, it was something next level. You know, because from having friends like Joe in my life, I learned that, Rogan, that I, I knew the science and I did my own research and I, and I put everything together in my head. I had already been doing it a bunch. Like, of course, inappropriately, because I, I take everything to a limit. That's too far. Uh, but I, but I felt it happening in my head. I could feel the science happening. I was also injecting myself with peptides. Um, so that was a big, a big, uh, I, I could feel the healing happening through the research I was doing with peptides and trying to put this all together as a biohacker, just learning what was happening. I could, I, it was crazy. Like it's hard to explain what was happening, but I had to leave work one day because of with, with, with an actual shamanistic healing experience like I had was in San Diego. Um, a guy named Shane Norte, and this was like three or four years ago. And he's a, a shaman from the Havoc, from the, uh, the La Jolla tribe. That's where the Indian reservation is in San Diego. And then he's also Morongo Indian. He has his own church, federally certified. It's their own, their own thing too. It's not under somebody else. It's really cool what he's pulled off. Um, and I went in there and I not only healed, but mushrooms always shows me my future. It always you know, shows me something that's going to come and I've already lived, I'm living it now, uh, which is kind of crazy. It showed me as an old man. Um, you know, remember the movie uh, Gladiator? Yeah. Where uh, he is, he's in the, the tent with uh, Marcus Aurelius and Marcus Aurelius is old and it's like a red lit tent. Well, I was Marcus Aurelius and I was talking to these people that were obviously very important. And uh, like general types, and not and someone's writing down everything I'm saying, and like, and I was just educating them. We were philosophizing. That's whatever I was saying was really fucking important. And now, <laughs> you know, it's a good, it's a good feeling. And now I look around, and I'm like, oh, cool. I'm already this person. Uh, I'm I'm now working with apps and working more as, as advocacy and using like my puppet show and whatnot to to educate people about what I'm doing. Um, because that's what I've seen as myself as, 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 as an entertainer, but also an educator. Like that's how I, that's how I educate people is through, you know, things like a puppet show, like adults about psychedelics. We turned a guy named Terrence McKenna into a mushroom puppet. And he's like the, the philosopher of psychedelics, the biggest one. And, uh, you know, to have that opportunity, we're trying to turn uh, this other puppet, uh, the representation for ketamine into a, into a horse named yeah. Kevin. So Kevin, the ketamine horse, because everyone out here, in Hollywood loves ketamine. And when I've been, you know, I, I don't really leave the house anymore until, unless it's for business. And my company has, yeah, my company has a lot of connections in Hollywood. I'm all, I swear, you know, I've always been with all my friends. So I show up to these parties and like, you know, actors and actresses or supermodels will come up and be like, so I already work for a ketamine company. I'm like, yes, I do, but I'm not, I don't have any ketamine for you. I'm sorry, I can't give you ketamine, sweetheart. Um, you're what? <laughs> You know, and I'm just like, it's fine. Like, it's, it's, it's my job to teach harm prevention, you know? So I, I try and teach people about not how not to do and abuse things like ketamine. And to have that representation just be a horse because it's funny um, and, and have a whole, we did a whole segment, our 19 segments on mushrooms. I wanted to do another 
set of things on ketamine and you know, molecularly and how how to use it and have you know it's funny like that the muppets started uh with um with product placement um so why not why not use these the puppets uh, <laughs> my, my friends are super creative my friends are all really really high level musicians and creative people that do cool shit and uh we like one day would this just happen and i was like yo this is fun Can I, anyway he goes i, I made you a puppet it's like yes i was waiting for him to tell me he made one and um you know we have to we have this it was the same reason i was doing stand-up comedy for a while because i i had to make I, I digest what the smart people say. And then I, I put it in, in layman's terms for everybody else um, because that's just what I'm good at. And I can make it palatable for people because, you know, half these people that are researchers, scientists and whatever, they're very weird. And they've been doing a lot of psychedelics and they're already kind of autistic usually. And they, they have just a hard time. You should see these people in business meetings. It's hilarious. Um, it's like nothing gets done. I'm like, God damn it. Uh, but, you know, they, they, they trust me to, to take their information and tell everybody else. Because, you know, like when I show them the videos of like Terrence McKenna as a mushroom, they, they think it's the funniest thing that I've ever seen. So I know I'm doing something right. I love that. I love that. Right. You and Dean Listers. Y'all did the, uh, y'all did the job with, uh, with uh, HBO. HBO Real Sports. It was, the, it was the Real Sport. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. With Brian, with Brian Gumble. You know, white people like Wayne Brady because he makes Brian Gumble look like Malcolm X. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I heard some gnarly shit about Brian Gumble. That's from the Chappelle Show. Please do shit. Dude. Whoa. Some shit that he's like done to him. I think his mom. I'm pretty sure it's his mom. Like she lives in like abject poverty because he's a spiteful piece of shit, I guess. And I don't know how true this is, but this is just something I heard. Where, and it's more stuff around along that line where you're just like, "Ooh, you're a, you're a dark, a dark motherfucker." Like, yeah, you that. like, you know? I mean, and if, it's I, like, I, I, if she did something bad enough, I, I am I am a huge like there was uh, Quentin Tarantino. It's my him get his my <laughs> his movies because she straight up told him you're never gonna uh, be a filmmaker. He was like, and he was like, um, he was like. Uh, parents have to have accountability too on what they say to their kids. Like, you don't know what that could have did to them. Imagine we didn't have Quentin Tarantino because of that fucking comment. I digress. <laughs> but if she didn't do something terrible, that is a wicked motherfucker. Like, that is that is evil. Like, that's bad. Yeah, and you... so going to come back as like a roach. Yeah. <laughs> if you, like, when you look at, at psychology and, and addiction and all this sort of stuff, there's yeah. a, a doctor out called Gabor Mate. And you want to change your entire views on all that? Go read his books. Listen to him on a podcast. He's he's Same delightful to listen to. Gabor G A B O R Mate M A T E. Uh, he's on uh, Aubrey Marcus's podcast and, and Sam Harris, and he's just he is eloquent. And he was born in the born in a, in, a, in, a, in a concentration camp, I do believe, where he was there when he was a little, little baby. I think he was born in one, and you know, talks about collective trauma from past generations, you know, obviously going through that as an entire group of people. A lot of my best friends are Jewish. They have that like worrisome Jewish mother thing. Even these are like dudes who have been carrying guns and cannabis their whole lives. Like, why are you so just like, you know? <laughs> and, and he just explains the everything, how everything gets trapped in your, in, in your, in your body, you know? 
like when people are trying to uh, you know kill each other in mass like this over generations, it sticks and gets inside you where like you can be born with past trauma from generations. Yeah. And what then is new present when you was conceived and then when you got here. Oh bro, I, I just listened, I listened to the whole thing about the Atlantic slave trade. Oh my god. Hardcore history with, with Dan Carlin. It's crazy. Mm. It's like it's like anybody who denies the idea, and I, I thank you because you actually let me segue into this naturally. Because ain't nothing worse than motherfucker that just comes out of nowhere with this type of shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. but but since we're on the topic, amongst black people, there's this thing of saying that somebody just has something happen to them, or somebody was affected by X, Y, and Z. It's almost it's fucking impossible for black people not to have trauma. I think J. Cole alluded to it that how now a lot of us are, are getting above poverty and, and uh, a lot of black people's backs are getting off the wall and it's not survival mode, survival mode so much. You see the money being elevated on, on different levels. And now a lot of us have to deal with that trauma. Um, and I never thought of that perspective from the concentration camp of, you know, what somebody would be charged with, with that type of energy, how far forward it would go, how long it would take to break those things. But all of those things, you're right, man. Those traumas, they, they, they get into um, the, the, the very fabric of how a people move. Like Kendrick Lamar has this song called Fear. And in his verse, he raps as a, a frustrated Black mother. Um, but she's talking to her younger son. And you hear how many of these comments are charged by fear. And you, you, it's a great fucking song. Like, he's just a genius. Like, musically, like, musically is... <laughs> it's, it's, seriously, seriously, like, his, his yeah. genius of how sounds work together and how to layer a song, I don't think are going to be appreciated until after people realize, like, kind of how, like, Prince was, where it's like, yo, this is fucking crazy. Like, the... His, his knowledge of frequencies and shit like that. So listen to the song. Because if you're aware yeah. of that, then you'll be aware of that frequency in the, the, what's, the it, what's it called? The music. It's called fear. I, but, I love him. I, I haven't studied him enough, but when I get into it and I study someone, I listen to them intently. And, I, and I've, I've had him on my fucking my Spotify forever. Yes. Listen to him like quite a bit, but then I've never put yes. serious time into it like I have um, other people. The and brother's, brother's fucking spiritual. Like he gets it. He gets yeah. It. It's, it's, just it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, so the song highlights how a lot of us grow up with fear-based uh, uh, instincts, quite frankly, and how many things you do or don't do are based off of the fear of, of X, Y, and Z happening to you. And that shit was very real. But as we get out of that, as we've just been a part of this turn in the page of humanity where we're kind of on something new, I think, I think it's fair to say that the pandemic was kind of like, you know what I mean? It was kind of like, a, yeah. all right, let, shit starts from now type of yeah, moment. Yeah. Um, we have to deal with those traumas. How do you think psychedelics is going to help the everyday person? Because you yeah. and I could talk about them, but think about the relationship we've had with our bodies and then hurting your body and hurting other people and things like that. Obviously, it's a difference in variation, but still there nonetheless. Well, let's start with overall state of being. So when people start microdosing, and I see, you know, I see people of all walks of life, not just taking like my the company that I own part of Argos. It's mm -hmm. a psychedelic lifestyle brand, and people taking our products, and 
of all walks of life. And I'm talking like everybody from cops to people of influence to uh, normal soccer moms. Soccer moms are the biggest ones. Um, and it's, it's a, it's a gummy, you know, and the mom, oh, moms love it. And, you know, it's because it's, we formulated a product that it, there's no visuals. We've extracted it a certain way. And I mean, if you take a whole tin, you're going to get high. But this is not meant for you or to get high. It's meant to take one. Because, you know, kids in the school now don't want to take Adderall. They want to microdose like their friends. And I know and, adult, and I know tons of adults who come to me about their kids going, hey, my kid crazy? I'm like, mm, number one, your kid is committing a felony every day. But number two, uh, <laughs> Bi- Biden and them are handing out crack pipes. So you can do whatever the fuck you want. Just don't get caught. Um, That's fucking nuts. You know, and and because I'm like, look, your your kids in school are already doing it. There's a bunch of other kids already doing it, and because parents know that this is good for them, it's it's good, dude. It's good for like, it's good for women who are pregnant. It's good for people that just are going through whatever. Because think how our lives are in a constant state of fear, and especially lately, especially since the pandemic, we think the boogeyman's out to get us. Yeah. I see people still wearing fucking masks and shit all the time, and I'm like, come on, people, those don't work. We have science, but people just it's not their fault. They're uneducated. You know, their people are not educated. They're not, if, if they are educated as usual, uh, it's through mainstream media and that is all wrong. And on both sides, both sides are completely manipulating everything. It's yeah. like the information we'll take Ukraine, for instance, the information that the U S government or the, either the government or media is putting out there is all bullshit. All the information that the Russian government is putting out and their media is bullshit. And all the Russian, all the, the, the information that's coming out from Ukraine is complete bullshit. So we cannot trust any of it. It's somewhere in the middle. And you have to like, that's with everything. I mean, look at our, our parents, the way they were raised with, with the, the food pyramid. Oh my God, it's so wrong. <laughs> did, didn't the Obamas put pizza on there? Oh, I, swear, I swear to God they did. Uh, as like just this like public thing for fucking pizza. Um, <laughs> um, then you have uh, religion, like specifically like Christianity. I, I'm I'm kind of mentored by a religious scholar who wrote this book called The Road to Eleusis, which ties Christianity back to mushroom cults. And this is all like they have like archaeological evidence from checking all this stuff out. So, you know, there's no like we've been taught that this person in the sky, some some white dude with a beard, is in the sky going, you know, I'm your all loving father. I love you forever. But if you sin, I'm going to banish you to hell to burn in damnation. I'm a dad. Fuck what i would never tell my kid that for for breaking for what for shitting a little bit okay sin kid you're gonna figure out it's either a good time you probably shouldn't be doing it um you know like in a lot of things that are that are that are that are sins you know this like stuff that we're it's just about you are god god's in here mm-hmm. and and then i don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole you know what i mean but like there's every single thing our parents were taught and generations before them were taught was manipulated because of money and power like the, the idea of religion is great, but when man kind of shoves its hand in there and starts to work it like a puppet, um, things get squirrely because then you have power and you have money and you have this influence and all this other shit that gets people drunk, you know? So like we're, we're as a, as a culture, as multiple cultures come into one, it's like the old Hopi prophecy about how now we're, we're, that we're all, we're coming to, to together as a race of one of multiple colors. And we're all going to make change from there because things are going to hit this point of like, oh, we might not make it. And then we're, everything gets better. And I think that, that psychedelics is just a tool for, for society to wake up because everyone, everyone is on a fair playing field right now. Like for the most part, at least from, a, from an understanding perspective of like, no one's better than anyone else. 
And most of the time, mo- most people are shitting to each other because that's just how we've been programmed. You know, how are we going to, how are you, it's called, think of neuro-linguistics programming. What are the stories you're telling yourself and what are the stories you're telling other people? That starts like in the beginning with our consciousness. You know, right when you're looking at things and interacting and doing stuff, what are, where's your energetic output going and what sort of energy are you putting that way? Is it pure love and happiness? And it's like, okay, I got to get, get to go out there and get my ass kicked again today, but I'm doing it with a smile on my face, you know? Um, you know, and, and every interaction with other person should be good and positive because eventually that negative energy is coming around. It's going to bite you in the ass on, on the end of the, on the end of the day, especially with someone you live with, you wake up in this shitty mood, you treat your girlfriend like, like, you know, treat her bad. And it's just like, are your kids, you know, like that's not good for you. It's not good for other people. Like how, how are we going to hold ourselves accountable? Um, you know, and, and it just starts with, with simple education. Too. It starts with just people of every walk of life, whether you're white, black, gay, straight, uh, Muslim Christian about all of us kind of going, Hey, like, let's realize like we need to get better. <laughs> we need to, we need to adapt. Otherwise this, you know, this, this, this isn't going to work out. And mother nature is going to just shake us off with the crust. <laughs> you know, cause she can do that. Like, like we don't want to fuck with the planet. She's she'll, she'll kill all of us real quick. This has been enlightening. Anything you want to plug? Uh, look at the McCall method. It's, my website, there's also an Instagram, uh, or, or look at my Instagram, the, uh, Ian McCall. And, uh, you know, just look at what I'm doing over, over on my social media. There's so much cool stuff. And like, it's kind of gone unnoticed a bit. I got to cover LA Weekly and I was on, in Forbes a couple of times and UFC's talking about me with major studies and Johns Hopkins. Like I've done really, really cool stuff. Um, and, and that's the thing, I don't really care. I, I, I need to be, I want to be back, you know, in the, not in the spotlight. I'm not trying to be famous or anything. But it just shows you the level of psychedelics. Mm-hmm. It shows you the creativity that's already here and the things that are going on and the people in the space. Because I'm trying to put everybody else on a little platform. You know, these, the people that educated me, I'm trying to give them some shine because they deserve it. And the, the public eye is not on researchers or doctors anymore. Um, they listen to people like me who have blue check marks. And most of the time, that's probably not the best idea because these people have no idea what they're talking about. Uh, there's a big community that you know, I'll go to these parties of influential people, whether they're whatever sort of famous, um, and educate them on stuff and just hear them talk. And it, there's a big movement of people that are trying to get into the space uh, just because it's really cool and it's, there's a big financial interest and all kinds of psych- psychedelics as a whole is going to make a lot of money. So uh, to see the amount of people who are just kind of coming into the raw walks of life is really, it's really neat, man. So yeah, just just um, if you have any questions, uh, oh Argos, I should probably plug my brand. If you want psychedelic dummies, uh, go look at the Instagram Argos 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 A R G L S three times, and they can uh, direct you in the right. Thank you. Man, I was say this is this has been dope, man. It's been been the halftime report. Ian McCall, you know what I mean. Stay tuned with everything you got going on. Um, powered by Sports Cannabis. 